0: Praise the Lord. Um, I'm primarily going to be teaching out of Psalm twenty-four today. So, if you can join me in the book of Psalm twenty-four. And I know you guys probably roll your eyes when you hear this, but I'm not going to take much of your time today. <laughs> You're like, "Yeah, pastors always say that." <laughs> That's a relative term, you know, so what does much mean really? It's only 10 verses. I'm going to read through it and then uh then we'll go back through it in a little bit more detail. I have to first undo the damage my darling wife did by changing my Bible app. I'm reading from the ESV and it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, of the God of Jacob. Lift up your hands, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And I going to go back to verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. And just to state the obvious, but this speaks of God's sovereign ownership of the earth, including everyone and everything in it. The earth is God's sovereign possession. He has supreme authority in all the earth, right? And I know we live in a democracy, but as citizens of heaven, we are citizens of a kingdom. Okay, there are no votes, there's no committees, there is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And 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 when the sovereign says do, then we do. Right? And, and, and so you know, as Americans, and we're used to our freedoms, we're used to democracy, but but when it comes to our relationship with God, we need to know that there's no democracy. <laughs> amen that there are no suggestions that there there are no alternative truths or facts all right what god says is amen so god is it talks of verse one speaks of god's sovereign ownership of the earth and then verse two tells us why god for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers i look at founded and established god has sovereign ownership because he's the founder of and establisher of it you know when you are the founder of something you know you are the creator of it you founded it you established it it's yours and yours alone right and so he is the lord the earth is his and the fullness thereof and all that dwells in it, because he founded it all and established it all. Verse three then goes on. After we so, first of all, that first phase is, is establishing God's authority, his sovereignty. He founded and established it all. And in verse three, asks a question: Who shall ascend the hill of the lord and who shall stand in his holy place this first asks a very important question and it doesn't matter what generation you're living in what location you're at uh, you know what time in this earth's history we live in you might re- you might phrase the question a little bit differently but the essence of it remains the same who shall ascend the hill of god and who shall stand in his holy place He's asking, what kind of person will God accept? What kind of person will he receive? Who will he embrace? And this is an Old Testament concept here. You know, he's not in the New Testament here. He's in the Old Testament. So, but he's asking an important question. We all have to ask that question on some level in order for us to be open and, 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 and receive the salvation of the Lord. When Paul preached in the book of Acts, there was a point where people said, they were convicted of, what must we do to be saved? Right? What must we do for God, for us to be acceptable to God, for God to receive us and accept us as his own? And then he begins to answer that in the next verse. Let's, Let's go on. And he says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Everybody say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Well, you didn't have to, but appreciate you for indulging me. I look at that, and if I didn't know Jesus, if I didn't know the salvation of the Lord, I would read that verse, and it would be a little discouraging to me. Can you imagine being under the law under the Old Testament and, and 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 you saw this verse and it's like okay well who can ascend sin to God to the hill of the Lord into his holy place well you got to have clean hands you got to have a pure heart all right and you haven't lifted up your soul to what is false and and you can't swear it deceitfully and I'm and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about Deuteronomy chapters 27 and 28 God lists all these things. If you obey me in this, in this covenantal law, I'll bless you. (laughs) You know, if you disobey me, you're going to be cursed. If you disobey any jot or tittle of the law, you're guilty of it all. There's not a lot, there's not a lot of wiggle room in that, right? And so, and yet it's saying you got to have a pure heart, clean hands, you know, it's got to say, you can't lift your soul up to idols or anything like that and you can't be deceitful, uh, you know, and so, but praise God, we are now under the new covenant, which is established on better promises. Amen? I, I you know, I say, oh, oh, because our hearts are not always pure. I don't know about you. I'm going to say our, all right? I'm going to say our hearts are not always pure. All right? Our hands have not always been clean. And I'm not talking playing in the dirt either. You know, our hands have not always been, we've not always been honorable in everything that we've done. Right? Our souls have probably at least flirted with idolatry at some point in our lives whether we realized it as that or not. And you know, we probably were a little less than honest, a little less than truthful a time or two in our lives. There's no amens out there, but I know your silence says a lot. Like a picture says a thousand words, sometimes your silence says even more than that. And yet, he lists these things you know, in order for you to be embraced by him, in order for you to be received by him, you gotta have clean hands, you gotta have you know, a, a soul that that, that that does not uh, engage in idolatry you gotta have a pure heart can't be deceitful being guilty of those things we could not stand in the holy place of God but Jesus, say but Jesus changed everything amen romans 3 verses 21 to 26 i'm going to read those but jesus changed everything but now the righteousness of god has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of god through faith in jesus christ for all who believe For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We talked about that as I was uh, stating the pure hands that I'm sure you were thinking about, you know, maybe that one time you fell short of the glory of God. It was more than one time for me. all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god let that let us not be mistaken in that and if that's where it ended we would all be in trouble but it goes on to say there's a comma not a period and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in christ jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. You know what? Jesus had pure hands, clean hands. He had a pure heart. He didn't engage in idolatry, right? And there was no deceit or guile found in him. In other words, he fully met all the requirements of the law and then became our sacrifice on behalf of us he gave himself to satisfy the requirements of the law for us. And so we get that gift of right standing with God through him, by grace, through faith in him. Amen? This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine, divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. And we're going to have to get our minds around that. Our minds are going to have to be renewed. Romans twelve one and 2, that's an important scripture. We're going to have to get our minds around the fact that God has passed over our former sins. That we're not what we used to be, right? We are a new creation in Christ Jesus right we once were afar off but now we're near now we are in fellowship with god right we were once in darkness but now we are children of light right we were children of disobedience but now we are children of promise amen and so all of that is through christ we all of our righteous deeds were as filthy rags we could not have clean hand uh, clean hands, a pure heart, a pure soul, we could not do those things in and of ourselves, but praise be to God that God decided to, instead of putting his word just on tablets and, and just requiring us to meet the standard, he said, I'm going to write it in your minds and in your hearts. I'm going to be in you. And I'm going to do a regenerative, a a, a restorative and a regenerating work in you that's going to enable you to live. To live righteous and holy as I have called you to. Are you hearing that? Yes, he demands it of us. But think about it. All of our righteous deeds were as filthy rags. So it's not a work; it's not works that get us saved, right? It is faith. It is faith. It is the work of Christ on the cross through which we're saved, right? And you know, and and the word legalism comes up uh, <laughs> a lot, and it, it just it crawls all over me. I'll be honest with you. But I do want to make a, a, an important distinction. Uh, you know, kind of what is legalism? Uh, to me, it, it's, 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 it's you putting in... It's basically saying your works is what justifies you. you. You conduct yourselves according to these laws and the act of doing so is what brings about your salvation. See that? that to me, that in a nutshell kind of oversimplification a little bit, is legalism. It's not legalism for someone to call you to the standard. All right? And so, you know, the other side of that is, okay, I am redeemed, like Brittany was saying. I am redeemed. I am restored. Uh, uh, I am saved. All of a sudden, I'm a new creation. And so out of that ought to be evidence of a changed life, a changed heart a restored individual and so God calls us to live in that truth that we now walk in alright and so if someone lovingly speaking the truth and love if someone is lovingly reminding you of what the word of God says and that you are in error into the word of God do not let the lie of the devil make that define that as legalism in your mind That's someone who loves you enough to call you to the standard of Christ, the standard of truth. Amen? And we ought to be doing it. We ought to be humble enough to one another that we want each other to do that because we want to stay on the straight and narrow. We want to glorify and bless God. We want to walk with him in spirit and in truth. Okay? That was extra. So, This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus is our justifier. if you, I've encountered this a lot, if you encounter someone who says, you know, well, I don't, God is speaking to them, it's obvious, God is dealing with them. And they say, well, you know what, I'm not ready to go to church yet because I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, there's hypocrites in the church and, you know, I, I just want you to don't judge them, don't get angry at them, but acknowledge where they're at and you got to be able to speak true to them to where look man there is no way you can correct your life as a precondition of your salvation you can't do it you're going to have to come to Christ and allow Christ to lovingly work in you he who's begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it you just need to acknowledge where you're at and humbly come to him and say I'm a mess you know, uh, I'm a sinner. Lord, uh, this whole situation is beyond me. I- I'm just humbling myself and I surrender to you as my lord and savior. Just, just don't, don't light into them, but just lovingly and, and prayerfully just open yourself to God and allow God to speak through you the truth of his gospel, Right? because there are a lot of people that feel like they need to clean their lives up before they come to the Lord. And that is such a deception. You know, that is so not how it really is. We can't really clean ourselves up apart from him. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but you know, there's a reason God has me saying this today. Uh, Let's flip back to the book of Psalm 24. Verse 5, now it's talking about the kind of person that God will embrace, that God will receive. We just need to humble ourselves and accept the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus. And it says in verse 5, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. You know, saying the God of Jacob is a way of him identifying God's chosen people. The people he is in covenant with. That's who the blessed and uh, saved individuals are. God's covenant people. We are his covenant people in Christ. Amen. We've been grafted in. We are the generation of those who seek him. That, that should be an identifying trait of ours. That we are those who seek the face of God. We are those who pursue him. In that pursuit... We not only, it doesn't die with us. I preached a few weeks ago, I can't remember how many, but it doesn't die with us. Remember, believe in God beyond your lifetime. You know, we will disciple our children. We'll we'll disciple the younger generation to continue their pursuit from generation to generation to generation. And we finish up these last two verses, uh, last four verses, really, but it's a repeat for emphasis. He repeats these two verses in verses eight, seven, and eight, and nine and ten. And I have a couple of things I want to say about that, and then we'll we'll conclude. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. And he repeats it again. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Now, it kind of r- r- reminds me, I don't know if you guys are into these either medieval shows where they have the moats and the castles and, and, and all that and, and, and they have gates that surrounds the city as a protection from the enemy and so not everybody can come into the gate. All right? And just imagine we're talking about the King of Glory. And you can imagine the king led his troops off on a battle to go conquer lands and he's coming back valiantly and victoriously and you have the the the, the herald whoever is out there the lookout you know is looking and sees them coming and and all of his splendor and he's saying raise the gates open the gates And someone might ask, who, why, who is coming? It's the king. Open the gates that he might enter in and that we might receive him and that we might honor him and that we might bless him and that we might worship him. Open the gates so that he may come in in all of his glory and splendor, right? And so that's really, it speaks of those times. And so we don't live in castles. You know, man's the king of his castle. We use that figuratively and everything, but my house is not a castle literally, you know, but praise God, uh, I, I am grateful for what God's blessed us with. But I believe God is speaking to us in the same way that they had to open the gate in order to even let the king in. You know, we have to open up our hearts. We have to open up our lives. We have to open up the issues of our heart. We have to open up and allow the king of glory to come in And the way it, you know, it, 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 the way this reads, it doesn't, it doesn't even speak to it. It doesn't give any hint that the king doesn't want to come in. It gives every indication that the king wants to come in and, and fellowship and dine and commune with his faithful and loyal subjects. The only question is whether we will raise the gate. The only question is, will we let him and invite him in? Amen? And so uh, the, the scripture says in James chapter 4, verse 8, that, that when we draw near to him, we open up our hearts, we draw near to him, he'll do what? He'll draw near to us. James 4, verse 8, yes, yeah, up there. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. you know what that can only happen in the work of christ the the work of the holy Spirit, amen but it's a that's not a a, a pleading with us that's a command right so 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 that's a, that, that's important. He's not asking us to. He's telling us to. Clean your hands. Purify your heart. The word of God is a double-edged sword. A double-edged sword, right? Divide soul and spirit. You know what? If we're going to clean our hands and purify our hearts, we're going to need to be people of the word of God. We're going to need to feast on the word of God. I know we love to feast on Chick-fil-A. And my clothes are a little bigger now because I do like to feast. But we're going to have to adopt the mindset of our Lord and Savior where he says, my meat, my food, my sustenance is to do the will of him who sent me. Amen? And so, so we're going to have to get into God's word. We're going to have to receive his, his correction, his chastisement. We're, we're, we're going to have to be those who will humble ourselves. We read God's word. God's word said it. So I'm going to subject myself to it and obey it. I'm not going to be double-minded. I'm going to be intentional and purposeful in my obedience to God because I want to walk with him. I don't want to be dragged and screaming into the things of God. I want to walk with him in faithful obedience to him. And so, whatever I need to do, if there is a a wounding, if there is an issue of my heart that has been closed off to him, well, it's time for me to raise the gate and say, come in, king of glory. I invite you into that part to do the work that must be done in order for me to be healed, in order for me to be whole, in order for me to walk with you even in that area that has held me bound. Does that make sense to you? And I will, uh, I will close here in Revelation 3. I'll start at verse 20 and then I'll expand it out a little bit and uh, this will be the final verse we talk about. But Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whether it's a door or a gate, he's knocking. He wants in. Right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. There may be some ugliness either in your past or some ugliness in currently in your life, and and you might be ashamed of it, a little fearful. You've been ashamed about it even before God. It's just something you just want to avoid. You can't even, you can't even really take it to God, you know, but that's, that leaves him outside the gate. You know, and, and you need him inside the gate. You need his presence with you in that gate. You know, you've built up these walls, these impenetrable walls, and the only way it keeps the enemies out, but it also keeps what you need out. You know, walls of protection can also be prison walls if we're not careful. And so you're locked in. These impenetrable walls are up. Jesus is out there knocking, saying, raise the gate that the king of glory may come into your life and bring life and bring healing. And bring restoration." If you, can, if you can allow that mental picture to form in your mind. And he's, a, he's appealing to you. Let me in. I know uh, about that which you, with which you're struggling. And remember what I said, what I love about scripture, it leaves nothing out, but it says, but Christ knows everything about you the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, you're fully known by him, and yet you're fully loved by him. Right? And what's greater than that? To be fully known and still fully loved. Right? And that's the one who's on the outside of those gates saying, raise up the gate, lift up your head, raise up the gate, and let me in. And so, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you to do that today. And so, let me expand out and read verses 19 to
1: 22. Excuse me.
0: Revelations three verses 19 and 20 to 22. Those whom I love i reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Think about that. All right? Now, it's, don't think that if Christ loved us, if God loved us, he'd protect us from any and every bad circumstance. You know, it's, those whom I love, I'm going to read that again, I reprove and discipline. And he tells us what he wants our response to be. When he reproves and discipline, be zealous. Uh, Brother Ben talked about the zeal of the Lord uh, last week. Be zealous and repent. When I, when I reprove you and discipline you, humble yourself before me and turn from your wicked way. And he's continuing that whole thing. See, that's why I just didn't want to read verse 20, (laughs) all right? In context, it it gives a little bit more. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You know, not everything is a blatant sin. You know, there's there's also a thing that for he to know to do right and not to do it is also of sin. All right. It doesn't have to specifically say this is specifically is a sin. Right? Right. <laughs> all right, and so that tells me it is also a sin that if the Lord is reproving you, if he's exposing things and revealing things to you that need correction, if you are experiencing the discipline of the Lord, it is a sin not to be zealous and repent. And so he's called us to do that. And then he says, I'm knocking at the door. I'm waiting for your response. Okay? The repent is raising the gate. I'm going to let you come in. I'm going to let your desire, correction, your discipline have its complete work in me. Okay? If I'm not trusting you here, where I should be trusting you, that's a sin. I I need to correct that and, and begin to trust you in this area. If I've held on to these hurts, if I've held on to this bitterness and unforgiveness, Lord, then it's time for me to raise the gate and let you in. If you're you're challenging me to forgive that person that hurt me, if you're challenging me, Father God, to walk in love in that area, then, then I've been resisting that, then it's time for me to raise the gate and let the king of glory in and repent. And he says, going on, and he said, I'll come in. I'll eat with you, I'll dine with you, and you with me, you know, that's intimate fellowship there. You know, I'll be side by side, I'll be there with you in a real and substantive way. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne you have the ability in Christ to conquer that which has weighed you down. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I would just encourage you, welcome in the king of glory. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm just, I'm going to, if that's, if that's you in any way today, if that's you in any way today, this is an altar call for you just as an act of faith. You don't have to confess it to me. You don't have to give me all the gory details. I'm not, it's, this is between you and the Lord. Uh, this is an altar call. It's time for you to come up and just say, Lord, I've had the gates closed for too long. I've been inside, I've surrounded the hurts of my heart and the issues of my life. I've got a moat surrounding the castle. I've got these 50 foot walls built up, reinforced. And I built them up for my protection. But there's an unintended consequence that I did not foresee. Those walls that I meant for my protection have also kept outside my protector, my healer, my savior, my king of glory, my lord. And so, Lord, well, before I even did it, so if, if that's you in any way, I'm going to ask you to just come up and stand before God and And um, don't worry about who's watching you or anything. Just say, Lord, you know, you're just saying, Lord, I'm bringing this to you now. I'm opening the gate and I'm letting you in. Thank you, Lord. I'm opening the gate and I'm letting you in. I have suffered loss. I have suffered hurt. I have suffered shame. I have suffered lack and I've tried in my own strength in my own way to deal with these things but 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 all I have succeeded in doing is building up walls wasn't my intent at the time but my walls have kept you out long enough Jesus I may not be ready to let many others in my walls are still up I haven't gotten to the point yet to where I'm gonna let them come down like the walls of Jericho but but I don't know who I can trust on this earth but I do know that I can trust you and though my walls remain up today I open my gate for you Jesus
1: thank you Jesus thank you Jesus
0: I'm just going to ask those of you just to keep standing where you're at. But if you didn't come up, just pray where you're at as you're led of the Lord. Just lift up these brothers and sisters in the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father God, I just lay hands on these precious sons and daughters of yours.
1: Praise Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God.
0: Father, we just join together in prayer with with your sons and daughters. Father, I've not asked each person what brought them up here today. It's not important in this moment for me to know. What's important is for them to know that you know. And Father God, I just lift up your sons and daughters who have come in faith this morning these people who have made themselves vulnerable by raising their gates today Lord that's been their source of protection their coping mechanisms has been their fences has has become their, their gates has become their walls And Father God, I just thank you and praise you that you've spoken to them in such a powerful way this morning that they're willing to open up the gates and let you in through those coping mechanisms, let you in through those things that that were meant to be protection for them, but has become a prison. They are letting the King of glory in, the one who is strong and mighty, the Lord of hosts, And when he comes in, in all of his splendor, in all of his glory, he comes in bringing life. He'll come in bringing blessing. He'll come in commanding the blessing on their lives. He'll come in bringing healing. He will come in bringing liberty and freedom from those things that have bound their souls until now. Because now, today is the day of salvation. Right now, today is the day of healing. Right now, today is the day of forgiveness. Right now, today is the day of repentance. Amen? Right now, today, God will be exalted in and glorified in that very thing that held you down. and I just thank you for it and I declare that to be so in each and every one who is standing before the altar of God today you are redeemed you are restored you are healed you are well Amen. you are whole again You may have been knocked down, but you rise today in the strength of the Lord your God. And I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And we say, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, and Amen. <laughs>
1: At the cross, at the cross where I first saw
0: so much, Lord, for the privilege and honor. Be glorified and lifted up in Jesus name. Amen. I love you guys. Um, this will conclude the service today and the Lord bless you as you go.